Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. Today's show is brought to you by Epsilon and their People Cloud Loyalty Solution, which is a powerful platform that boasts over 50 years converting casual customers into lifetime fans. Epsilon's technology and services operate at the core of the publicist group worldwide, powering brands such as Dell, Duncan, Gap and Walgreens, and their platform is designed to give all of their clients the power and flexibility to create one-of-a-kind emotional connections with their customers. Epsilon's People Cloud Loyalty is a market-leading end-to-end solution, and it is in fact the only company that has been named a leader in both the loyalty technology platforms and the loyalty services providers Forrester Waves in 2019. As you can imagine, I'm delighted to be working with Epsilon and creating awareness of their People Cloud loyalty solution. So if you want more information, visit their website at emia.epsilon.com forward slash let's talk loyalty or drop me an email and I'll put you in touch. That website again is emia.epsilon.com forward slash let's talk loyalty. Now let's get on with the interview. So welcome to the latest episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. And before I get into introducing my guest today, I first of all wanted to celebrate a mini milestone in that I've been able to uh, get out of lockdown and get into my professional recording studio. So for the first time in three months, it's fantastic not to be just working from home and to be back in a professional environment, uh, obviously with mask in hand. But I have to say it feels really good to have a sense of normality. And the other thing I wanted to say is just a huge thanks to my friends in Epsilon who introduced me to the fantastic guy we're going to have a conversation with today. And I think all of you uh, probably appreciate the amount of time and effort it takes really just to get somebody of this caliber on a call, uh, particularly from a global brand and one that you all know and love. So without further ado, I am going to welcome Mitch Kennedy, who is the Global Loyalty Strategy Lead for Dell based in Austin, Texas to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Great to have you here, Mitch. And I know you've been off on leave, so it's probably crazy busy on your end. But um, I'm super happy to get into your calendar before anything else does. Yeah, you know, it's the adjustment coming back from having taken a week off. Just mentally get yourself (laughs) to re-engage and... Yeah. (laughs) Don't open the email for a while. I think that's my advice. Exactly. (laughs) Great stuff. So, Mitch, listen, um, there's so many fantastic subjects we've talked about before offline. Um, You're doing some amazing work there with um, the Dell Advantage Loyalty Program. Um, But before we get into all of your kind of career background and some of your favorite loyalty topics, I just first of all wanted to start with my usual question, which is what is your favorite loyalty statistic? You know, it's funny, The and, and this is an old statistic, and it's not and one of like sort of earth-shattering insider <laughs> revelation, but I, I always come back to the idea, and like I said, the statistic is old, but I read a number of years ago that in the U.S., the average person is a member of 18 loyalty programs and engaged in one, yeah. and 
I always try to keep that in mind because it's very easy, particularly in a larger organization, when you have people trying to sort of push down KPIs on you and mm. membership is one of them. And, and I always have to sort of use that statistic. It's like the one that I throw out all the time. Uh, to say, listen, membership isn't a KPI. I don't really care how big the program is. That doesn't speak to efficacy. Yeah, uh, I could streamline membership if you, you know, if you want to pay me a bonus on how many members I have, I'll be a <laughs> yeah, rich man. That's right? Easy. I can, yeah, right? I, I can sure. make that work. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm driving positive outcomes. So sure. Sure. Brilliant. Well, my God, 18 to 1. And I know they, they vary around the world, Mitch, but certainly, you know, I know how few loyalty programs I engage with. And this is our profession. So uh, you're absolutely right. We often sign up and we don't uh, we don't bother after that. So I it's, think it's, it's a tough job we're doing. <laughs> right. And I always think it's interesting, too. And I'm, not, I'm curious if you and the people listening are the same way when you're in a store and they ask you, do you, do you want to join the loyalty program? Yeah. Someone who actually manages loyalty programs. Yeah. If I sign up, it's out of curiosity, but for the most part, I'm like, <laughs> no. No. You know, I see it as a direct challenge, Mitch. So um, I use that particular question to test whether they've executed well, so whether they've trained their staff. So so I'm a nightmare customer. If you want to ask me to join your loyalty program, I'm going to ask why. And I'm really going to dig into, can they articulate that? Because again, there's no point building a loyalty program if they're not passionate about it at the point of sale. So yeah, it's, I, um, I, I'm a I tough was, customer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was at a store yesterday, actually, and, okay. and I had a very unique experience where as I was checking out, it came up on the screen to join the loyalty program. And the person checking me out told me to click no. What? Yeah. They just said, oh, you know, because you know, you oh go through God. the, the, the yeah. screens. Uh, the the check out. Yeah. And then the, the wow. person was like, check no. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, oh, you know, bless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you guys have gotten on the off the rails somewhere here. I, I don't think that was the preferred customer experience. No, no, my God, that's hilarious. Well, hopefully nobody does that with the Dell program. Um. Yeah, it just goes to show you too when you have a retail outlet at the end of the, you know, you can sit back and have all of these very imaginative, very innovative um, yeah. processes. Yeah. But at the end For of sure. that that trail, yes, it is going to be an employee that. Probably doesn't not care, care all that. Right, it probably doesn't care all that much, <laughs> and so you kind of need to take that into account. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So I'd love to get a sense of your program first of all, Mitch. Um, I know you've done. I think it's over five years now in a number of roles with Dell, um, and the Advantage program. I didn't know a lot about actually. It's not um, a program I'd seen in my home country of Ireland, for example. I don't right. think it's live here in the UAE, but obviously it's a massive program in the US, Canada. I think Brazil and lots of other countries around the world. So tell us exactly about the program. Well, it does, from a loyalty perspective, Dell's sort of a unique entity in that we have a, a really kind of long uh, purchase cycle. Okay. And, and so the Dell Advantage program, it has evolved quite a bit over the last number of years, and it's about to evolve a great deal more. Mm. Um, as it's currently constructed, it's basically a transactional rewards program. Um, okay. We we pay out transactional rewards uh, at mm -hmm. set amounts mm -hmm. based on revenue generated from select customer groups. Okay. Um, the outcome of that, you know, the, the objectives as currently constructed are pretty straightforward, right? We're looking to drive uh, mm. transaction velocity, um, 
maintain sure. some level of engagement in between large purchases and okay. and get loyalty outcomes basically out of that very narrow sort of defined mm. program benefit. Mm. Um, we're evolving that to a much more nuanced, much more expanded uh, program that's that's more focused on the customer experience. Um, but it's currently mm. constructed. It's a very transactional program. Now, to be fair, it does that effectively, right? Like I'm yeah. not, I'm yeah. not discounting the impact of that. But realistically, right now, as as we're currently constructed, we're buying transactions. Um, we're okay. doing that thoughtfully and selectively. But at the mm. end of the day, that's what we're doing. Okay, and it is a consumer program and a small business program. Am I right? Correct. Correct. Currently okay. active in U.S., Canada, Brazil, U.K. Okay, fantastic. And we yeah, have some, yeah. we have some like mini programs in other markets that that I'm using to test some new concepts, or I'm about to use to to test new concepts. Wonderful! Wow. Okay, well, we'll definitely get in. I think we, we discussed, I think we're both uh, mutually uh, fascinated by the concepts of gamification. Mm-hmm. And as you said, transactional programs, they have a logic, they have a function, they, they definitely drive some behavior. Um, but I think as the world evolves, there's definitely a need to be more engaging. So yeah. are you at they, the early stages of that or, or where are you at? Very early stages, but uh, we have a sort of organizational commitment to walk that path. Um, and given a, that's a testament to Dell in that given Dell size and complexity of the business, that's not an easy path to walk, right? You're, you're committing to some level of pain in the short (laughs) term to make that, that level of change. And one of the things I like about Dell is, is organizationally, I've, I've seen a lot of courage. You can be, I, I, you know, I come from sort of an entrepreneurial background and I was really worried about working for a large company because I was afraid that I couldn't be innovative. And what mm. I, I'm, I, I've been pleasantly surprised by was, is Dell's sort of willingness to take a unique look at something. I mean, to sit in a meeting and, and have, and to be able to say, I don't know that we're asking the right question. And to have people stop and go, okay, well, let's talk about that. What what is the right question? And and to me, that's where innovation comes from is is the ability to step back and redefine the question. And mm. and Dell has an organizational willingness to do that that I found very surprising. And that My for goodness. me that that makes it very exciting because I can um, <clears throat> be innovative at scale. Although I was laughing the other day, I said when <laughs> I, I sold Dell on the idea of of making some pretty dramatic changes. Yeah. You know, it's, having a point of view is all well and good until, until a hundred billion dollar <laughs> yeah. company goes, okay, let's do it. And then you're oh like, whoa, 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 I thought we were just two, <laughs> two guys talking here. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not willing to go that far. I mean, I'm not saying I'm right. I just, but wow. no, it's, it's, so it's exciting times. We're, we're in the process of, of sort of reimagining ourselves. But it takes a lot of courage as well for you, Mitch, even to take that approach, because as you said, you know, the, you know, the whole thing, you know, it can go, you know, lots of different ways. There's lots of unforeseeable factors. I know you're a very curious man. Uh, you've told me you read a lot. Yeah. Um, and and there's, there's some amazing concepts out there, which I know you're just dying to try. Yeah. You know, my, my wife would argue that I'm, I'm often wrong, but never uncertain. Um, and and so, yeah, I have a willingness to say, actually, you know, it's funny. I I think there's, there's 
loyalty is an interesting thing to me in that there's been a lot of very smart people that have done a great deal of research. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of a knowledge, there's a great deal of a knowledge base out there that you can tap into. Mm. Um, I, I would argue that, that my, my skill set is just basically a willingness to, to comb through that, find something that resonates with me and, and having willingness to apply um, okay. Some of that yeah. comes from from an entrepreneurial background, you know, to get to get clients. Basically, you had to be willing to propose a, a course of action that wasn't apples to apples. Mm. You know, I always laughed. You know, no one got fired for hiring IBM. Yeah, right? they hired yeah. Joe Blow and his merry band of of <laughs> consultants. You know, from some mm. no name agency, they could get fired. And yeah. so, yeah, that's sort of where it came from. And Dell hired Mitch Kennedy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well done, Dell. Yeah, wow. it was funny. You know, I, I, I started at Dell and I was just doing analytics. Um, okay. And so it was sort of an interesting experience to, to sit down yeah. and, and, you know, they, 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 my first day they gave me this, these, all these dashboards. And mm. it was very interesting that I'm like, these aren't the right questions. Like you're not, wow. you're not looking wow. at the right data here. Wow. Um, you know, like what are your, what are the objectives here? What are you, what are you trying to accomplish? And then, yeah. then let's talk about whether there's a path to get there. And okay. so pretty quickly, I think I sort of migrated out of that role. Um, okay. But yeah, it was interesting. You know, I was the first big boy company I worked for where, you know, <laughs> where you were led to have a, an entrepreneurial mindset because I know that's where you came from. Tell yeah. us exactly, you know, the kind of background. It was much more startup land, wasn't it, in terms of your career? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, it was interesting. You know, my, my first foray into anything similar, the close to loyalty, I had started a yield management company in the travel industry, specifically golf. Um, okay. And, but we, we envisioned ourselves as a software company mm -hmm. and we had to make a pretty rapid transition when we ran out of money and we had the choice between having to go yeah. home and tell our wives that, Hey, we weren't going to make the house payment or yeah. uh, find a new way to do this. And mm. what we figured out was that no one really knew how to use this great software. And so we flipped it on its head and, um, turned it into basically a, we will use the software on your behalf. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and as little yeah. as we knew, we, yeah. we seemed to know more than anybody else. <laughs> and that was, okay. that was disturbing on one level and an opportunity on another. And For so sure. that's sort of what opened it up to sort of member based, um, efforts to, to drive loyalty outcomes. Yeah. You know, how do I drive okay. freak? And I didn't, I didn't recognize it as loyalty at the time. I, I just do now do looking back. How yeah. do I drive um, frequency? How do I drive sort of engagement yeah. with my yeah. clients and all that? Wonderful. And I used to work in the airline industry, actually, Mitch, many years ago. Um, mm -hmm. And I always said it's the yield management guys have all the power. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, what was funny, yeah. I, we did, uh, <laughs> we were so wrong about so many things. and, and oh But it was goodness. funny because you, you, uh, uh, there's there's great outcomes in being wrong sometimes. What we found was that um, we could not get somebody to spend more money on on golf. We could just shape where they spent it. Okay. And and I can remember talking to 
I'm the one that did all the business development. And so I, I remember talking to a guy and he was like, oh my gosh, that's extortion. And, and I was like, no, no, it's not. And then, then I remember getting in my car going, well, kind of, you know, I mean, like, like who owns a customer owns a great deal. And, sure. and by yeah. applying sort of best practices from a loyalty and engagement perspective, you own the yeah. customer. Yeah, and exactly. that that was sort of the objective, and that kind of opened my eyes to that. And then once I moved from there, yeah, I, I started seeing, and then I, I started getting some exposures to point based systems, mm-hmm. and and then that sort of opened up gamification and and some other things. Because um, it, so, it's very easy in a point based system to get off track. Sure. Oh, of you course, get, absolutely. I mean, and I always say in loyalty, like it's very easy to change. It's just very hard to change back. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah. got to be really careful. Like people go, oh, how hard would it be to do whatever? Like, yeah. It's not a problem at all. It's, just, yeah. it's very hard to get out of that if we're wrong. And yeah, so exactly. you have to be a little careful. So how did you end up in Dell? And, and, and really, I mean, it's such a, a different lifestyle and a corporate experience. You know, I mean, what tempted you there and, and, and how does it compare? You know, it's funny. I took the job to be Frank Adele. I, I didn't, it was a test. I just wanted to see what yeah. it was like. Um, and okay. then I found out that I really liked it. Um, <laughs> at the time, I just, I needed something. I needed a break from doing the entrepreneurial bit. Um, yeah. You know, having, em- yeah, yeah, and having employees is, I, I can remember we had a technical problem and I had to go and, and visit clients and explain what was happening. And, and I remember mm. being on the plane thinking, I have the, the livelihood of all of the, mm. my employees' families in my yes. hand. And I had one key employee who was very excited because their daughter was going off to college. Mm. And the weight of that was just so great. I don't, I don't, if you've never been in that position, you, you may not realize just yeah. how all-encompassing that is. But I remember being on the plane thinking, if I can't deal with this problem successfully, I'm going to have to let some people go. I mean, Mm -hmm. yes, it's going to impact the finances of my family, but it's going to impact more than, I mean, even more than that. And so that, that was an experience. And I, and to be honest, I needed a little bit of a break. Um, Sure. I remember when I started Adele coming out of a meeting and someone saying, Oh boy, that was stressful. You may not be used to that. It was like, oh my gosh, that was war with Nerf guns. It's like, there's, <laughs> there's no stress there. Like, no one's losing their job. I'm not like, if I'm wrong, I don't have to look at someone and say, I'm very sorry, but I, I, I don't. Yeah, I can't yeah. keep you. You know what I mean? Like, nah. It's a whole so, different discussion. Yeah, yeah. it is yeah. totally different. And and solving problems with um, almost no resources. You know what I mean? Like, my the first loyalty platform. I, I put together, it was like a gamification is the best example. Okay. Someone was saying, well, how do we know this works? And I'm thinking, because I've done millions of entries and mm-hmm. I did them on a system that was like a caveman drawing pictures in the dirt with a stick compared to what's available now. Wow. And so, you yeah. know, the, the psychology behind it is strong. I promise you, because what I had lacked nuance, you know what okay. I mean? It was, it was pretty rough. <laughs> so. So I know you found gamification and I know that's your core passion now in terms of loyalty. So that's the direction I gather you're going to take the Dell program. So tell me how you got into the gamification side and why is it that you believe that that's, I suppose, the the, the next big thing and the model that's going to be most effective for you? 
Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I gamification for me is it's it does a couple things amazingly well. Mm-hmm. Um, by leveraging gamification, you can get members to engage in content more frequently and more deeply than they would otherwise. Mm-hmm. And you can create a varied reward structure. Um, mm-hmm. In any type of cash-based reward structure, it's been my experience and research shows that that it's an amazing short-term driver of behavior, but only yeah. for the short term and that it gets more expensive over time. Sure. And making it variable, you can extend that. Um, I got into gamification, to be honest with you, because I had a client um, mm-hmm. without naming names or mm. even what the name of my agency was because then someone could back into it. But they had, <laughs> they had um, released a cash-based reward into a point system. Okay. And they needed some way to lower the cost of points mm-hmm. uh, issued and redeemed. Mm-hmm. And, okay. and like I said before, you can't just – you can't like yeah. put an Amazon card in there and go, ooh. Oh gosh, we shouldn't yeah. have done that. We're going to take it back. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Members tend to frown on that, and they express that yeah. by going elsewhere. And so I needed a way to sort of relieve that pressure. And so okay. I made a number of changes. But one of the things I did is I actually released uh, entries to games of chance as a mm-hmm. redeemable reward option. Nice. And so people were redeeming two and three dollars worth of points for yeah. something that costs ten cents. Eight of cents. course, yeah. Um, and I had done a bunch of research before doing because I didn't know. To be frank, I didn't know anything about it. Okay. I had the idea sitting on a plane, and and so when I got to my hotel that night, I started doing all this research. Mm-hmm. And and there's a great deal of research out there, and mm-hmm. and I found this fantastic uh, dissertation written by, and I've always laughed because a dissertation written by a PhD student in behavioral um, psychology. And okay. I based massive program changes on this dissertation. And, and I okay. remember as I was doing it thinking, I don't know what grade she got. Like, <laughs> she the, the, her professors may have good. gone, yeah, this isn't even close to being true. And yet I was basing all of this stuff on. But it was wow. just it was just such a compelling – she cited all this research going back generations. And yeah. I, I can say without reservation it's proven to be completely true. The wow. idea behind it was basically this concept of preference reversals. That if, if you take a game – entries to a game of chance and you put mm-hmm. them in front of – you put two uh, – entries to two different games of chance in front of somebody and you ask them which is the better game. Okay. They will say the one with the best odds of winning. But if you mm-hmm. ask them to put a monetary value on entries to the games of chance, they put the higher mm-hmm. monetary value on the game with the greatest, the most appealing grand prize, regardless of odds of winning. Really? And I found that wow. to be amazingly true to the point where okay. the odds of winning are meaningless. Uh, wow. Beyond a willingness to look at yourself in the mirror the next day. Wow. Um, and so it allowed me a great deal of flexibility in controlling costs, controlling sort of what's there and shaping games based on sort of what's the underlying psychology and how they're going to respond to it. Um, mm. And what was interesting is that the psychology behind it is so great. Um, mm. and, and I'm a big believer in that having people lose isn't a bad thing. Of course that, not. Yeah, yeah. But, but a lot of people will have, if you talk to people about a game of chance, they, they have a heart attack. Well, oh my gosh, don't yeah. they, what about the people who lose? Are they going to be mad? Yeah. No. 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 They've they, had they, an experience. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so the, the difference for me is 
um, yeah, it's that engagement. It's that sort of interacting with that, that content that mm -hmm. allows them to be more fully engaged in what's there. You know, mm -hmm. if you send an email out with content, mm -hmm. we all do it, right? Like, like it's the subject line and maybe, yeah. and I, and I be the first to say I'm a bit cynical on mm -hmm. a lot of this largely because it's not my area of expertise and therefore, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but um, it, with the game, I mean, I sent out a change in terms of conditions mm -hmm. embedded in, in the game. And I had tens of thousands of people play the game, engage the content and answer questions about program terms and conditions on the backside. Wow. They would never have done that. If I sent that in an email, people would have thought I was crazy. But oh, in the totally. game, no one even, and my reward mix was, I mean, it was yeah. so small. But it doesn't uh, matter. People, people engaged it and they were happy. So what do you think is the key success factor then, Mitch, in, in gamification? Like, is it the big dream? You know, as you said, that reward mix and just getting one big Halo prize. Is it about the, the visual uh, design of the game um, and how easy it is to understand? Or tell us a bit about how, how you would design something like that. What's interesting to me is it's, it's definitely about the instant gratification. Um, okay. Like okay. If you look at a sweepstakes, I don't consider mm -hmm. sweepstakes to be sort of viable gamification because mm. I, I describe sweepstakes as it's like a casino that has a blackjack table or a roulette table. For those of okay. you who aren't gamblers, you know, you drop the ball and spins and lands on them. Yeah. It's like you walked up to a roulette table and you said, listen, here's $100, put it on red. And then you went up okay. to your room. And you may mm -hmm. or may not have won. And if you didn't, no one will ever talk to you again. You'll never hear about it. Not a very engaging game and not one you're going to, to play very frequently. Sure. It's the difference between that and them spinning the wheel, you watching the ball drop and seeing whether you won right there. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, you're more willing to do that over and over and over again. Okay. One of the things that stunned me about gamification is that mm -hmm. people will engage it over and over again. I'll, I'll mm -hmm. never forget, we had one person redeem $3 worth of points mm -hmm. to play a, a, one of the games 67 times in a month. <laughs> wow. I, my first Way thought was, right, exactly. My first <laughs> thought was, oh my gosh, we had a technical issue and yeah. we just drained points out of this poor guy's account. Yeah. Find out, no, there was no technical issue. This guy did it willingly. And I'm like, okay, well then let's call this guy and figure out sort of yeah. what's the... No, he's totally fine with the experience. And My the interesting goodness. thing is for $3, I mean, he could have redeemed for most of the prizes in the game. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, and that yeah. kind of keyed me into sort of how strong the psychology is on that. Um, it just allows me to sort of breadcrumb behavior through a larger ecosystem. Because my yeah. cost for, people will do so much more for an entry to mm -hmm. a game that costs you pennies mm -hmm. than they will for a $4 reward, $5 reward. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it allows me to solve problems at scale, move members through sort mm -hmm. of complex uh, decision trees, you know, identify points in the customer experience where people stall out and, mm -hmm. and give it a little boost to get them mm -hmm. through to the next level, um, to get okay. them to engage in content that they wouldn't have otherwise. It's fantastic for training. Mm -hmm. um, but to be clear, it is a tool in a larger yeah. program as opposed to a program in and of itself. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, you can overdo yeah. it. You can take it too far. It can become too frequent. Um, and the psychology behind it, it's a bit binary in that, in my experience, 
for those it engages. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, does it engage? I mean, it, it can engage okay. them to a frightening degree. For some <laughs> people, it doesn't really okay resonate with them. So you have to be a little a little careful. Um, but anyway, that's that's been my. I'm a huge proponent of it, and I, and I use it all the time. But <clears throat> but definitely mm. as one piece of a larger. Strategy. Yeah. 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 But what's interesting, what I think most people don't realize is they think of it as um, the psychology behind it to be like computer gaming. And it's less that and more, obviously, it's not probably the best way to put it, but but it's, it's more akin to gambling than. Yeah. And if you think about the, if you walk into a casino in any, Know, casino in the world, you see sort of a pretty broad based cross section across ethnicity, mm. gender, everything. Mm. Mm. And so it, it has a really broad based appeal. And, and that helps. Exactly. Yes. So it is personality. It's not a particular income or, right. or, or anything else or demographic. It's it's very right. much. Yeah. Yeah. Because, for example, I went to Vegas and I was bored out of my tree. I was just like, when can I get out of here? I mean, literally doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, it's, that's that is funny too. Cause I'm a huge <laughs> proponent of gamification, and I'm not someone who gambles. Interesting. I was in, in Vegas. Yeah. We've all, if you if you do any business in the U.S. and you do, go to any yeah. conference, you you're in and out of Vegas somewhat frequently. And okay. I remember I was just walking up to my room, and and I don't normally carry cash, but I had twenty bucks. I stopped at a at a blackjack table, played like four or five dollar hands or something lost my money in about 30 seconds and i remember getting in the elevator going that was so unfulfilling um <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah, never like, yeah exactly like they, that did absolutely nothing for me yeah. um i could have yeah I, I spent that money in almost any other way and gotten a better outcome but for but some I think your it's point- really strong Totally. But no, what I really like about what you're saying, Mitch, though, is it's relevance, particularly in industries that have uh, very tight margins. And I've seen, you know, gamification working super well, particularly in fuel retail programs. Um, And I mentioned one in Ireland, for example, called Player Park, which was an extraordinary program. Um, So, and that's clearly what's happening in Dell as well. You know, you're moving in the direction of engagement when literally the margins are tight. Well, and also too, I think that that's absolutely true. Um, but also too, we live it. We're we're entering this sort of big data world where we all have access to mm. so much more data, and we can apply machine mm-hmm. learning to it, and and take much more nuanced looks at at the customer journey. And so mm-hmm. we can identify non transactional behaviors that mm-hmm. are incredibly valuable, incredible indicators of potential value or drivers of of member value mm. that are too far removed from the uh, transaction to directly uh, reward at a level mm. that would actually drive the behavior and gamification allows you to to lean mm. on that mm. that behavior in a way that's economically viable you know if i know okay. that you updating mm. your profile within the first 30 days for instance mm-hmm. of of sign up it makes you more likely to be engaged in a year. Uh, I can't really, I can't, it's unlikely I should say Mm. that I can reward you at a level that's going to make you do that. But using gamification, I can sort of lead you through that and and do that in a way that's economically viable. 
Okay. And there is still, I guess, then a, a value exchange as well, whereas at least I get the fun to go, okay, cool. That was that was really good fun. And I like this brand more. So there's kind of a halo effect and, and you get the data that you need without any investment. And absolutely. And it's funny, I'm, I'm, that's exactly the way I describe it too. That's why I started kind of smiling. The, yeah. Uh, there's a there is a value exchange, yeah. and and for people who don't, they, they look at it and go, it's just a silly little game. <laughs> Do you have any yeah. idea how much time the average person spends on their phone? Yeah, doing some there's a value to it, and and yeah. if structured correctly. And so one of the things that I always do is is I go through sort of a set when I'm I'm working with with stakeholders to, to build a game, mm. Mm. always starting with the objective because. Sometimes it's just for it to be fun. We'll do that in mm. our in our gaming community, right? Some of the games mm. are they, there's no value to them other than it's just sort of fun, mm. and mm. it's a way for them to interact with a brand that's positive. It's not earth shattering. Mm. We're not curing cancer. Yeah. We're selling computers, right? Like at the end of the day, sometimes <laughs> just being fun's okay. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, sometimes I want them to engage content. Sometimes you know what I mean, like like. Yeah. But there is even for the losers, there's a value exchange, and we see an increase in positive outcomes even from those who lose. Um, but wow. oh my gosh, did I have to document that? Because I'm sure, yeah, people were very. And I always say to you, if everybody wins, did anybody? Do you know what I mean? If I play a game and and I won, but everyone else did yeah. as well, it's not the mm. same charge yeah. as if somebody lost. I mean, that sounds terrible, and you, and you think, "Gosh, you know, are, are we really that bad?" But yeah, we're a competitive species, Mitch. There is absolutely no doubt. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. One of the first books I read on gamification, they talked about sort of that competitive drive, mm. and they always talked about. But one of the, th I just never always remember this because I'm a avid recreational tennis player and i want to stress avid okay. as opposed to accomplished or good okay but yep. but i am avid and and that's one of the key indicators of for some reason tennis is one of the key indicators of a of a uh, competitive personality really yeah i okay. always thought that was somewhat interesting but anyway totally yeah. okay totally off topic but but yes we're all competitive and so for it to be really effective, you need to have, in my opinion, you need to have losers. In my experience, I should say. Yes, yes. And so there are times when I'll set up a game and everybody wins. And, mm -hmm. and to be honest with you, my objective is to issue the rewards. I'm just okay. layering in okay. the game to get them to engage a little bit of content and to create mm -hmm. some breakage. Make them take a step towards me before I give them something in return. Sure. But the reality is I'm not, my objective isn't brand engagement. I'm trying to give you a transactional reward and, and I'm going to okay. follow yeah. up with, I have a marketing plan for how I'm going to follow that up. And I'm going to, I want to issue rewards in a broad based way. Mm. And I want to get you to take a step towards me. So I don't have to issue quite, I don't have quite the liability out there. Um, okay. And so that's the one time I won't have winners. Mm -hmm. um, or excuse me, I won't have losers. Uh, you won't have losers. Yeah. Okay. But for the most part, okay. I like having losers. Yeah, no, more I, engaging. yeah, no, I totally get it, Mitch. But uh, what um, what kind of resistance internally would you expect? So again, thinking about people listening to the show um, who may not have considered gamification as a strategy previously, you've mentioned the casino piece, and I think yeah. there's sometimes a bit of nervousness. Obviously, legality has to be checked. Every country's got its own, you know, ins yeah. and outs and complexity. But what, you know, just from a purely strategic perspective, what should they be thinking about in terms of a gamification loyalty strategy? It is a way for you to, the way I sold it internally, 
mm-hmm. was that you tell me what you want more of and I'll get it for you and I'll do it cheaply and I'll do okay. it in a way that, that people will enjoy. Okay. Which sounds strange, but yeah. getting someone to interact with your brand in a way that they enjoy mm. is a win in and of itself. That's the yeah. value exchange. Gotcha. And so yeah. that's kind of how I sold it internally. And I, I walked people through sort of a waterfall. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how many people would like send out an email, for instance, right? This is the mm-hmm. waterfall. We'd expect this open rate, this, um, yeah. this yeah. game engagement rate we would expect. And it was very interesting, you know, to watch people sort of have their eyes open to sort of the possibilities. Mm-hmm. But even at yeah. that, they, they allowed me to test it. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I like about Dell. So they'll allow you to test it. And I'm a big Brilliant. believer in, in yeah. testing ideas and concepts. Um, mm-hmm. Because if, if, and I even say, listen, to, to be innovative, you have to be willing to fail. Mm-hmm. And so you need to structure tests in a way that give you a way to back out. Mm-hmm. And so when I first started testing gamification, I did it in our gaming community. Mm-hmm. Not because gamers are actually the worst audience for it. So it was oh, not. The, interesting. Uh, yeah. They're not yeah. the game. Cause they were like, Hey, I, I did really well in this, this game. I don't understand why I didn't get more rewards. Like it's just a game of chance. There, there's not. Yes. Yeah. They're too well educated, huh? Oh, exactly. Yeah. They, they had much higher expectations for the graphics for the game and everything. Wow. Yeah. But um, I, I tested it in a way that I could back out of if I didn't get the outcome I wanted. And so mm-hmm. I just, I have slowly sort of pushed it out into more and more parts of the business. And as we sort of evolve the program, it will, mm. it will play a larger role in how we collect data and how we, because one of the things to remember about gamification is mm-hmm. it allows you to ask something in return for giving them a reward. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I ask mm-hmm. you to opt in. I ask you to answer a question. You know, we all mm-hmm. have marketing programs based on predictive models. Those predictive models hinge on a handful of data points. Mm-hmm. Um, this allows you to, to collect meaningful data yeah. at scale. The okay. one challenge I would, the one proviso I would say, and this, this yeah. is just me. I hate when someone asks me for a data point and then they don't use it. If you ask me for a data point, I want it to shape the customer experience. I want to shape how the brand interacts with me. And so that's yeah. the one thing with gamification is that it's so easy to collect data that times you, you're collecting data just because you can. And then the customer is like, well, I already told yeah. you that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're not listening. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so yeah. it allows you to, to, and that's one of the, the dangers of it is that you can, you yeah. can sort of collect more data than you can use. And that's easy and in today's world. It's much easier. We all, yeah. I think, probably know more about our customers than we can actually act on. Absolutely. And like I said earlier, actually, Mitch, you know, in the same way that I'm a difficult customer in retail, if loyalty comes up as a subject, because I'll never um, ask about it. um, I'm also um, on my birthday, very challenging to the brands that I'm a member of their loyalty program, because I'm sitting waiting for something to happen. And it usually doesn't. I know. It's like, geez, it's my birthday. Don't I get a little kiss in the cheek here? Come on. Absolutely. Give me something. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the, the, it's funny, you know, the, the challenge with being in, in loyalty is that you do have sort of weird, like I will go through a game yeah, in, in excruciating detail, mm-hmm. making observations as I go to my wife's dismay, I'm sure, <laughs> um, about what's there, how they structured it, why they shouldn't have done it this way or why they should have done it that way. Or, oh my gosh, I really like this. I never thought of doing it this way. Yeah. And 
and yeah, it's so I never have an organic reaction to anything. My reaction okay. is always tinged like, will this make yeah. me look smarter if I totally copy this? <laughs> and, I, and I'm so willing to do that, by the way. So, oh, completely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. There's no, none of us need to be the ones that solve all problems, right? Like somebody else has had a great idea and, and all or part of it is probably applicable to what you're doing. And there's a great phrase, actually, which I really use regularly now, and it comes through, um, I told you I do a lot of work in, in fuel loyalty, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's literally copy with pride. And that is the way that entire industry approaches sharing of knowledge, sharing of ideas. Yeah. And I just think it's extraordinary because, mm-hmm. again, I probably would have been a little bit guilty in the back, kind of, you know, in the past to go, okay, maybe this isn't my concept and whatever. But now I'm like, no, copy with pride. Out oh, we go. Here we go. Absolutely. It's <laughs> is I've gone through my career, I, I, I will yeah. ask somebody to send something to me and I will be completely transparent. Like, could you send totally. that to me? Because I'm going to totally plagiarize the crap out of that. Absolutely. I, I, I love that and I'm going to take it. And yeah, a, a guy in my, uh, on my team made this comment one time and I, it was just so obvious, but I hadn't thought of it in that way. And it was just, I just, it's totally changed how I think about transactional rewards. Mm. And he was just like, it's demand. And I now envision transactional rewards as, as demand, but as a, this can sound really strange, but as a fluid, a fluid that okay. I can direct around an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So I can time when it gets to a certain point, I can time what points mm. it touches and what point it doesn't. Mm. And I, at first I gave him credit for that. And I now give him a bit of time. Like, listen, I've run out of ways to, <laughs> to say, Hey, you're the one that had this idea. It's now mine. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Just FYI, and I use it all the time. So, five Perfect. years from now, yeah. I've just, yeah, I could write a book <laughs> and no one knew you exist. Absolutely. But I'm curious, Mitch, in terms of KPIs uh, within Dell, you know, running the loyalty for, for mm-hmm. such a big global brand, what is it that you uh, that you measure, that you um, actively manage, I guess, because clearly, as you said, you can do all sorts of things. What is it that, that keeps you awake at night and that you're really focused on driving? I'm, I'm a huge believer in objectives and I start almost any discussion about loyalty with Mm -hmm. the objectives, right? Customer Mm -hmm. value and customer retention. Okay. And I get asked to do all of these things. I get asked, um, you know, when we have to report out outcomes Mm -hmm. or someone tries to direct us in a certain area, Mm -hmm. I always come back to that. Listen, I'm looking Mm -hmm. to drive long-term value and retention. Mm -hmm. If what you're asking me to do is outside of those, Mm -hmm. we could conceivably do that, Mm -hmm. but it's not something that that we're currently pushing. And we get asked Mm -hmm. that we're a large organization with a ton of teams. And so you'll, you'll, you'll get someone that, that wants to know like what percentage of your members do what I, you know, something. And, Mm -hmm. And I always have to say, listen, that doesn't dovetail with our objectives. It's not something we're trying to drive. So I can give you the number, but it's just a number. It'll okay. go up or down based on things that yeah. that are completely outside of the loyalty program. Mm. And I, when I first started at Dell, mm. uh, it was interesting. You know, I, I had I had run large point-based systems previously, and the mm. people that were running the program had, and they'd mm. asked me for some numbers. And mm. I remember giving it to them and saying, "Listen, I I don't know you, but but just take this piece of advice: you don't control any of those numbers." So they're good. Today, they're good. They're good because the organization as a whole is driving those numbers. Okay. Do not claim these numbers. 
<laughs> state them as numbers because the business will shift. That yeah. number is going to go south and they're going to go, yeah. hey, why, you know, what happened? Yeah. What are you doing? And yeah. And so that you know, you have to be a little careful in a large, large organization in that you know, the KPIs are strange. So I, I we have a very small set of mm-hmm. what I would call a KPI. Um, mm-hmm. and then we have a ton of metrics that we use as um sort of performance measurements uh mm-hmm. that give us insight into what's happening, but they're not mm-hmm. a KPI. They're just it's a number okay. that tells us Okay. Something it's about time the to program. worry or it's time not to. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And some of them okay. are ones we don't even control, but it's just good to know. It gives you insight into what's happening in the, the business as a whole. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, actually, can I ask Mitch, um, just occurred to me, how big is the team that runs loyalty for Dell? So how many are you managing, I guess, directly? We have loyalty is, let's think here. Five people. My goodness. Yeah. That's it's, tiny. It's tiny. I know. Yeah. And we met with we met with another brand through yeah. Epsilon mm-hmm. and it was like a, a clown car. I mean, they just the, the conference room door opened and they just they kept coming in. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh. Like they're they're yeah. so much bigger than ours. Wow. And I remember when I when I had my agency, the the one of the clients was like, Oh, I need to talk to the person who does yeah. this. Okay. Yeah. And then I need to, you know, by the time he's done, he's like, wait, you're doing all that. Mm. Yes. Like, of yeah. course there's, we have five employees. Yes. I'm the one that's yeah. going to do all of those things. And yeah. that and Dell's a little bit that way as well. We don't have very many people yeah. touching it. Yeah. Now, obviously we leverage a bunch of other teams and all of that. So of if course. we need to do creative, we need to, but yeah. the actual loyalty team is, is yeah, that's five people. Wow. It, and no, I, know I look it, at this, they are good. It's a very high quality team um, and they do amazing work. And indeed, that is totally reflective of anyone I have ever met with Dell. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the call, Mitch. But as I said, I've had lots of friends work for Dell in Ireland. There's a huge centre there that um, manages the UK as mm-hmm. well as Ireland. Yeah. And and even actually I've worked in recruitment over the years. And anyone who's come from Dell just seems to be super sharp. So it's a credit to the company, actually. I always like to know there's very few companies that I would genuinely say, actually, that's a really good pedigree to have. So there you go. You've uh, you've got a very good pedigree, in my humble opinion. <laughs> well, I was I was due because prior to Dell, my pedigree was a bunch of companies no one had ever heard of. So, um, yeah, one of the well, interesting things at Dell is is yeah, I we do Dell has an internship program where we do both undergraduate and graduate interns, and okay, so we'll bring in really smart people coming out of college, mm-hmm. very very smart people, and they will mm-hmm. uh, be assigned a project. Mm-hmm. And then they will have to, they'll have like five or six weeks to, to do this project. And then they present it to uh, yeah. senior managers, senior mm-hmm. executives. Mm-hmm. I had a, it, it's an amazingly valued group at Dell. And it, it's this amazing source of innovation because they're giving really wide leeway to, to redefine yeah. their, their problems, wow. their, their questions, yeah. do all this research there's an expectation. The one time I've been in trouble at Dell is because no one explained to me how important the internship program was. And I was okay. really busy and this intern was like, yeah. hey, I need this this data. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, it would take me a day. I'm yeah. like, no, I don't have time to do that. I'm sorry. And yeah. I moved on with my life. Only the weight of the world fell on me. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, is this, is this like Michael Dell's 
like wow. son or something. I don't understand. Personal project, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, no, 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 no. Someone had to pull me aside and go, no, no, no. It's the intern. The, the internship program is it's, yeah. it's incredibly valuable at Dell, and they they use it as a way of of okay. fostering innovation and identifying talent. It. But yeah, I, I totally restructured the consumer loyalty program in the U.S. based on uh, an intern project. My goodness. And he was absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was astounding to me how right he was. But that's one of the things I like about Dell is that it yeah. values people at all. The organization values people yeah. at all levels. And so you yeah. get a lot of talent because yeah. even if you are a fairly junior person, mm-hmm. um, your point of view is, is for the most part heard more than I would have expected. And, okay. and so you see some dramatic changes coming from some interesting mm, places. Quarters. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's, that makes for a, I think, a much more dynamic um, yeah. place to work. I think you get mm-hmm. more innovation and, and mm-hmm. you can recruit better talent. Yeah. And as you said earlier as well, Mitch, in fact, like we're all so busy doing our day jobs that we just don't have the time to necessarily be creative and innovative. So you kind of need to be challenged externally. And whether that's the intern or the the guys in Epsilon, I know you lean on them as well. So it really is important just to have people that you can kind of go, give me an idea here because, you know, I need something new. (laughs) Yeah, we have we have a couple interns doing a project this summer and it touches one part of the loyalty program. And they were they were kind of careful in their initial conversation with me. I think they were worried about stepping on my toes. Mm. And I'm like, listen, I'm praying for that you guys are two geniuses and because yeah. it doesn't matter. You, you have to understand it doesn't, if you come up with something amazing that I've never thought of, yeah, that's a win for me. I don't, Fantastic. who has yeah. the idea? It means nothing to me. Yeah. And I'm like, besides, I'm just going to steal it anyway. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> but no, it, 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 it's interesting, you know, I mean, that they are all over the loyalty program talking to a lot of the same people. And Dell's a huge organization. Sometimes the hardest thing at Dell is just knowing who to, like, I can remember one time we had yeah. a problem with the flow of points and it was some decision yeah. made somewhere in IT. Mm. And the hardest thing was finding out who made it. I mean, mm. Dell's IT yeah. is 15,000 people. And at times the biggest challenge is just knowing who to talk to. Yeah. Um, but what I'm know. hearing, though, is that loyalty is very well respected in Dell. Am I right? Yes, it, it is. It's getting it's getting even more so. I think people are seeing the value of loyalty outcome. Okay. And and I'm a big believer in that. My objective are loyalty outcomes, whether that comes as the result mm-hmm. of a structured program or mm-hmm. something a little less fenced in is mm-hmm. a different question, but mm. without question, and even more so moving forward, mm. Dell mm-hmm. values loyalty. You wow. know, it, it, for all the obvious reasons, right? It's incredibly expensive to get a new customer, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's taken a little bit. But it's also expensive to run a loyalty program. So I think that's where the um, the internal justification isn't always. And and I heard you hesitate there, Mitch, you know, and I hear that that's what's happening is that there's an amazing awareness of the outcomes being attributable to the work that's being done. And that does take time. It does. Again, yeah, it's a credit to you and it's a credit to them, like, you know, and and hopeful for the future for all of us. We've had to use... I started when I took over the program mm. uh, in the U.S. 
I started reporting out grudgingly uh, at first, to be honest <laughs> with you. It wasn't part of like my master plan to solve this problem. I just, yeah. finance put the thumb on me and said, hey, we need to see these numbers weekly. Yeah. And wow. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I, <laughs> I do not yeah. want to have conversations about weekly changes and redemption rates and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Like it's, yeah. it's, it, it does complex. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's so overly complex. Yeah. And, and you, and anyone who's, who's run a large points based systems, those conversations where they, someone will make a statement and you're like, they're like, is that true? Like, mm, ish. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's like kind of true. Um, mm-hmm. But what we've done is sort of report out uh, it, with Epsilon's help. They've, they've helped us sort of clean up the views of the, the program mm-hmm. and, and get a more refined look at the flow of points and tie mm-hmm. the flow of points to outcomes. Amazing. And, and that's helped us and, and to get the company, the, the business to take a step back. Cause one of the mm-hmm. challenges I think what we all have is that mm-hmm. loyal, the benefits of a loyalty program play out over time. Mm-hmm. And that time is rarely consistent with how the larger mm-hmm. business views its own performance. And mm-hmm. so they're saying, they're asking you for performance metrics within a time period where you're like, it, it doesn't, Yeah. Uh, like, I, like without going into great detail, if, if for our current loyalty program, if we look at an active buyer, mm-hmm. we're not driving, biggest value of the program is not that I'm driving value in an active buyer. I'm keeping the mm-hmm. active buyer for a far longer period of time. And so the same Mm -hmm. value over a short period of time is experienced over that same increment many times over that of Mm -hmm. a Mm non-member. And and it took a little bit to sort of educate the business that that's the form the value would take. Um, And to do that in a way that was simple enough. I mean, if you talk to somebody who's senior, Mm. um, you you have no time. You, You have... Exactly. I, yeah. I, I always say it's like the big red crayon, right? You have to communicate concepts with the big red crayon. Now, mm. Adele, Adele has incredibly smart people. So it's, it's interesting. You know, you'll do, you mm. report out something or you'll, you'll mm. present to somebody very, very senior at Dell. And mm. you will have one or two slides and mm-hmm. then 50 backups <laughs> based wow. on, on how you wow. answer their questions. And, though, sure. and you better know your numbers because they they yeah. i always laugh i mean <laughs> they can sense fear and weakness right like if you if you have one number you're a little squishy on don't yeah. put it in there because you'll find wow. yourself in a long drawn out conversation about the one number you didn't want to talk about yeah and so it's funny you know the the loyalty adele is is going to be an ever more expansive part of the business and i'm excited to see the form that that takes and we're still early in the process we're defining yeah what that is going to look like but what i'm excited mm-hmm. about is organizationally mm. we are dealing with all the things that you, we want to deal with how do we mm. how, you know how do we deal with the data that's that loyalty programs throw off a ton of data how do we mm. make certain throwing off the right data and how are we managing that mm. how are we using this to shape the customer experience across the entire breadth of the business and then mm. you have to understand with dell mm. we are global and we mm-hmm. deal with everyone buying a tablet yeah for mm-hmm. streaming movies at home to mm-hmm. um, a federal government yeah. buying mainframe computers, right? Like we, yeah. we're so extraordinary. broad. Yeah, yeah. And so we have to have a system that is incredibly fluid, that has sort of a mm-hmm. rigid sort of exoskeleton. 
And then mm-hmm. all of this flexibility on the inside that allows wow. us to localize by region and by, by mm-hmm. customer group and yeah. all of that, because the, just the margin rate between a consumer yeah. and, you know what I mean? Like it, it, yeah. it's not even the same world. Um, yeah. And yet we still have customers that sort of migrate up through that. Now we don't mm. have consumers all of a sudden owning a banana Republic in there, <laughs> but, yeah. but they migrate yeah. up into SB and all of that. But it's, I can just imagine the complexity actually of, of sourcing the platform originally, like when you did go and start working with Epsilon, like, like how can you even foresee the requirements for a company like Dell? Like, I mean, that's the extraordinary part in my mind. In looking at the, the new structure, mm. um, I mean, I'm a big believer because I've been on the other side of that conversation as well, right? Like mm. we, I, mm. I'm pretty confident if I go to Epsilon and I say, listen, I, I come up with the craziest thing you could possibly think of. Can you do that? Yeah. Yeah. The answer is not, it's not a question of yes or no. It's a question of how big the check guy is that I have to write. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm, that's what I want. And I mean, it's not to start with that's what I want. Yeah. Uh, Epsilon has been a great help in that they are a good sounding board for, mm. um, yeah, sort of directions we need to take mm. anything you do in the modern world obviously has rides on a uh, support system of technology and so mm-hmm. i needed a partner that would work with us has the flexibility to sort of step back at times mm. and and they've been good at that and, and saying listen let's mm. i don't care what your system does currently i don't care what we mm. are doing currently mm. this is the problem i'm trying to solve Mm-hmm. let's find a way to do that. Mm-hmm. And they're very good at stepping back. And then once mm-hmm. we identify that, then mm-hmm. trying to apply their, their technology mm-hmm. uh, to that solution. And at times we'll adjust sort of how we're going to go do something based on what's more easily done. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've found that, that that's the best yeah. way to be innovative, right? Like don't, don't yeah. worry about all the constraints, yeah. find the solution and then, apply yeah. the resources to it. Amazing. Amazing. Oh. Mitch, the, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is is really just, um, I suppose, more on the education side. Um, I know you confess to being uh, an avid reader slash cigar smoker. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure which uh, <laughs> which yeah. we want to highlight. Which, yeah, which uh, right. is, yeah, which is causal and which is... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But but clearly you're very well read. Clearly you have a real passion for loyalty. Um, I'm sure you have great fun in the office and I'm sure there is plenty of stress along the way. But just in terms of, again, listeners, you know, if they're looking to grow their knowledge about loyalty, what would you suggest they be doing in terms of educating themselves? I'm, it's funny, you know, I'm a huge believer in the psychology behind rewards. I, I believe that if you understand that, yes. then you, you can sort of innovate based on foundational truths that remain mm-hmm. unchanged over time. Yeah. One of the, the hard things about how people interact with rewards, well, mm-hmm. two things. One, the minute you insert any rewards into any system, you've changed it. Yeah. And so you have to sort of have some awareness of to what impact that's going to have. Mm-hmm. The second is... Um, people are full of crap, right? Like if I, if I ask you <laughs> what you want, what you tell me is not what actually drives your behavior. And sure. so too often, like I'll have people in the organization come to me and they say, Hey, I want to do this. I want to pay out rewards to do this and for this behavior yeah. to get this outcome. Mm. And I'm like, it's not going to have the, 
it's not going to do what you think it's going to do. You know, there's either unintended consequences or that's just not how it works. Yeah. And, and so I would strongly advocate, like one of the first books I read is a book called Drive. Okay. Um, and it talks in there about cash-based system. It, it, it's, there's, a, it was just the first one I read. And so it's kind of kind of a positive place okay. in my heart from it. Okay. And I'm okay. I read I skim fast. Like if I'm reading something and I go ah, I don't care, I move on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll blow right through. I don't like try to get weighted down yeah. in some esoteric discussion of something that I I know I'll never use. Mm-hmm. And so I will go through books fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I would for me anyway. My journey started with the book Drive by Daniel Pink. Um, okay. There was a it was going to, it's going to sound really interesting, but there was one study in there and I don't know why I just, even all these years later, just so resonates with me, but they went to a preschool and they had, they measured how many pictures kids were drawing, you know, mm-hmm. they put out on a table mm-hmm. paper and crayons and then just count mm-hmm. how many pictures people draw. Mm-hmm. And they t- divided the kids into two groups and one group got a cookie or something mm-hmm. for every picture they drew. And okay. the other one got nothing. Mm-hmm. And the group that got nothing continued on at the same rate. And the one that got a cookie uh, drew more pictures in the short term. And then eventually it took two cookies to get them to draw more pictures. And (laughs) and he took away the cookies and didn't draw any pictures. Oh my goodness. And I can, I've used that. It sounds crazy, (laughs) but there's a, there's a foundational truth there. And it's, and it's absolutely accurate in my experience. And so I've had that conversation where for a part of the business, they said, Hey, we want to, you know, for budgetary reasons, we don't want to pay rewards on this anymore. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's fine. But please understand, you, you aren't going to go back to the baseline. You're yeah. going to go below the baseline. Yeah. That's what happens when you start paying a reward out on something. And I yeah. use that explanation when people want to start paying rewards out, transactional rewards out on something new. I'm mm-hmm. like, listen, that's great. We can do that. You will get more of it. But please understand, there is a predictable cycle to this. Yeah. And it, yeah. it holds true. Anytime you release rewards out into there, mm-hmm. um, if anybody has, anybody listening has a book or any content like that, um, please let me know. Um, I, 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 Paula has sent me some stuff and I've started to devour it. Um, Wonderful. It's actually hard on my, I just spent a week off and I had made myself read <laughs> um, something else, but yeah. but yeah, I, I'm, there's so much great work out there and I, I sort of find it just endlessly fascinating for sure so and actually Mitch have you heard of a gentleman by the name of Yu Kai Cho from Stanford University he lectures on gamification there no okay so I am going to uh, make your day hopefully Um, but yeah Yeah. he's um, I'm writing it down as we speak (laughs) exactly now and I I won't do oh um, I know what he calls it the octalysis framework he has um, literally captured what you've been describing Mitch in terms of the drivers of human psychology and human behaviour and I totally agree with your point if I was to go back and, and, and redo my career I'd probably start with a degree in psychology and in fact I might do one at some other point. I just think it's so fascinating. It's so funny. I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm the same way. If I could go back in time, yeah. it would be uh, behavioral psychology and economics. Yeah, perfect. I, to me, I, yeah. because the, the interplay between, we all want to be rational. Yes. And, 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 and but we're not. Yeah, yeah. We're, 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 totally, we're just not. We're totally not. No, no. And, and so I love the fact that, <laughs> that if I ask 
a group of people who question the answer I get is what they wish to be true rather than what's actually they true. They don't have, none of us have a cases. clue, actually. It's not them, it's us. Yeah, you're totally... Well, no, no, exactly. I'm not, I'm, please understand, I am no better, right? I am right? an like, irrational I, I, human being. <laughs> right. I like to think I'm self-aware, but the reality is... Yeah. No. No, no. Brilliant. So I will link to that one. I've remembered it's called Actionable Gamification. So I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes and the book that you mentioned also, Drive as well, Mitch. I'll definitely link to that. Um, I don't have any more questions questions from my side. I have loved hearing about uh, all of your work in Dell and your career and your insights. Is there anything else you wanted to mention, Mitch, before we wrap up? No, other than, like I said, if anyone has any content out there, please. Okay, send please it over. Yeah, okay. Send it over. I, I would love to see it. Okay, brilliant. Well, listen, obviously, I'll make sure to, to link to your LinkedIn profile as well, Mitch, um, just to make sure that people can connect with you because I do believe in the power of sharing. So you're absolutely right. The resources, we all need to, to recommend them to each other. So listen, without further ado, I know you have a busy week to get back to. So Mitch Kennedy from Dell Loyalty, thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training, both online and in workshops around the world through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 150 executives in 18 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out www.thewisemarketeer.com and www.loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform. Find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews. And thanks again for supporting the show.